The title of the message this morning is Kindness and Love Appeared. Won't you say that with me? Kindness and Love Appeared. And you can turn so long in your Bible to Titus chapter 3. And even though the scripture will be displayed on the board, it's lovely if you can follow it in your own Bible. So we're going to look at a few verses of scripture and see what God's word says to us. Are you ready to look at some scripture and allow God to speak to you? Good. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 to 8, reading from the New King James Version. It says, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Wow, that's quite a scripture to start off. Verse 4, but... But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Please say those three words with me. He saved us. But look at this. It's because of his kindness and his love that appeared that he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the gift of eternal life. And verse 8, an interesting verse. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Now, sometimes when you talk to congregations these days and you hear the words good works, they get the heebie jeebies or something. But God says, be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now, there are three things that I want to share with you, and after that, we will go into a time of communion. Point number one, before we came to Christ, our condition was corrupt. Think about that for a moment. Please say that with me. Before we came to Christ, our condition was corrupt. You say, who, you, pastor, or, or me, or, you know, both of us, you and me prior to salvation, you and me prior to conversion, it's clear that our condition was corrupt. Just look again at Titus 3, verse 3, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he is writing to Titus. Titus is a spiritual son in the faith. And notice that Paul says, we ourselves. This is Paul writing, and he's saying, we ourselves. In other words, Paul was including himself in the statement. 
reflected in Titus 3 verse 3. He was also including all other believers around the world, and that would also include you and I, speaking about we ourselves. You see, Paul knew very well that we were all once sinners. I was thinking about the life of Paul. Paul had a dramatic conversion, didn't he? If you think of Paul before the Damascus Road experience and after, this man surely changed. Prior to conversion, Paul was violent. He was full of hatred. He consented to Christians being killed, Christians being murdered. He, together with mobs of people, would go house to house. They would drag Christians out of the house and drag them off to prison, put them into prison, knowing that there, that they would face certain death. Was Paul a nice guy? Certainly not. He was a man with a corrupt nature, and he was a man that was full of hatred. It's even said that when Stephen, the apostle, was stoned, it would appear from Scripture that the apostle Paul had even consented in the group that he should be stoned. My goodness. But you see, God changed the apostle Paul. He changed Saul of Tarsus. He gave him a new name. He called him Paul. He became an apostle. And let me tell you, after his conversion... Paul's life was marked by such a love for the people of God. He said, I never stop giving thanks for you. I pray for you all the time. I can't wait to get out of prison now so that I can be with you. I, I so long to be with you. I love you. I, I want to see Christ formed in you. How is it possible that such a change from such a corrupt nature to a new nature, it is only possible through God. Only God can change the human heart. Many people want to look at self-help programs, other religious beliefs, philosophies, ideas. I want to tell you it's clear through the Word of God, which is our final authority, that there is no way to the Father but by Jesus. Jesus is the one who changes our lives. So Paul had a radical conversion and afterwards, he just loved the people of God. You know what? I think of people in this day and age committing acts of terrorism. There's a lot of terrorism in the world today. Isn't it terrible? People just want to go and strap themselves with explosives and go and kill as many people. Is that a corrupt nature? You better believe it. It is a corrupt nature. But I want to tell you, even terrorists, the love of the Father can change them. Do you believe that? The love of the Father can certainly change them. Only God can change the human heart. Listen to the statement, God is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. That's on your screen. It's actually the title of a book years ago. And it comes out of Hebrews 7 verse 25, which says there, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. What does that mean? He can completely save the most wicked and corrupt person. 
He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him or through Christ Jesus. Now, even though you and I probably haven't murdered any Christians, has anybody done that of late? Just checking, making sure. We may have been guilty of things like fraud, prior to conversion, abortion, jealousy, lust, hatred. And notice the phrase at the end of verse 3, it says, hateful and hating one another. You see that there, hateful and hating one another. And maybe this could indicate uh, and include things prior to your and my conversion, things like the following, being at war with a neighbor and refusing to seek peace. It's corrupt. Could include things like aggression towards a work colleague. They said something about you and you are going all out to destroy them, destroy their career, and you are aggressive towards them. Could include like things like family feuds. And listen to this. It could include things like cricket ball tampering. <laughs> Not South Africans, though, hey? So where did that come from? I don't know. But let me tell you, the Apostle Paul never forgot the change that God brought about in his life, and the same should apply to you and me. We should never forget what God has done. God said, I'm going to take out the heart of stone, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. And that's exactly what God has done in every believer that calls on the name of the Lord, and that is saved by the blood of Jesus. That heart of stone has been taken out, and you have a heart of flesh. And that's why when you want to do something that is wrong, your heart constrains you because you feel, I can't. I'm a changed person. I don't want to do that. But Apostle Paul never forgot what God did, and neither should you and I. It says in Psalm 40, verse 2 to 3, it says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Let's call that corruption. And look what he did. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand, and I love this. He put a new song in my mouth. I began to speak differently when Jesus came into my life. He put a song in my heart, a hymn of praise to our God. Last Sunday, as Byron was sharing the word, we heard about John Newton. John Newton wrote that amazing, well, amazing song, incredible song called Amazing Grace. But do you know that it was common knowledge that he, before his conversion, had one of the filthiest mouths you could believe. And even those who were foul-mouthed, when they heard him swear, they would hang their head in shame because he was like, he could really cuss and go crazy. But you know what? After his conversion, what happened? God put a new song in his heart. And this man, John Newton, would write some of the most beautiful Christian lyrics. You might be here today and you know that you have a problem with the way you speak. And let me tell you, God can change your heart and you can write some of the most beautiful Christian lyrics that we as a church and the world, for that matter, can sing. Don't underestimate what God can do in your life. God changed the heart of John Newton. Matthew 12, verse 35 says the following, a good man, please say good man. good man, 
out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. But let me say, it is only Jesus Christ that can truly change the heart of man. Number two, are you still with me? The kindness and love of God appeared. How wonderful. Please say that with me. The kindness and love of God appeared. How wonderful. The scripture says, also in Titus 3, now verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the kindness, look at that word, and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. Please say the word appeared. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And folks, that's what you and I are celebrating today. That the kindness and the love of God appeared and that we have been saved. We are celebrating kindness. We are celebrating God's love. And can we just say hallelujah for that? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord that he intervened in our corrupt situation and offered us kindness and love. But you know what the sad thing is? Some people actually reject it. They say, I don't want the love of God. I don't want the kindness. I don't believe God. I want to tell you, the best thing you can do in life is to say, I want the kindness. I receive the kindness of God. What is kindness? It is gentleness, goodness, and generosity. And when God's giving us his kindness, that's what it is. It's gentleness. It's goodness. It's his generosity. Tell me, can you think of a situation in your life, at some point in your life, where you had a situation where suddenly something so kind just happened to you? Something so full of the love of God. Something happened and, and out of the blue, you just got this amazing bunch of flowers and you thought, wow, that is that is just incredible. What kindness. Or for the men, maybe you got a, a pack of biltong or something like that, you know. And, and you thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. But you know what? You and I, our hearts are so touched by kindness. Kindness does a remarkable thing. As a husband, if you say a kind word to your wife, it does an amazing thing. As a mother, if you say a kind word to your daughter, to your son, it does an amazing thing. Kindness certainly makes a difference. Some years ago, Mandri, she made a plan that she was going to surprise her mother in Australia for her 60th birthday. So this was really exciting. And, and by the way, they've lived there for about 20 years and they farm kind of in a remote region with table grapes. So here they farm grapes over the years, they've said to us as they've farmed there in Australia, there's been times when they've been working hard and just slaving away, and they thought, the crazy thought occurred, imagine one day if their daughter just came walking in the driveway and said, hi, mom, hi, dad, and so Mandri put together a bit of a plan, and she had a friend that she also took with her, and she decided, she set it up with her dad, I'm going to surprise my mom for her 60th birthday. And so they got there, dad picked them up at the airport, and uh, when they got closer to the farm, the blankets were pulled over the back of the bucky or whatever, and they hidden away, going straight into the farm shed. And uh, Mandri's mom is in the house about 100 meters away, the little farmhouse. 
And then next thing, Mandri's dad goes and fetches Mandri's mom and walks her across to the shed, nothing out of the ordinary, rocks up there. And out of the blue, Mandri just appeared. Mama! What? Is it you? And she's touching her. Is it really you? Can it be you? And there were shrieks of joy. There was a whole... But you know what happened? For this mother, kindness just appeared. Love just appeared. Isn't that beautiful? And I believe that that's what God does for us. His kindness and His love appears to us. Now, let me ask you, in the general sense, when did God's kindness and love appear? Well, I would submit to you the following. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and the baby came out, and they saw Jesus' face for the first time, the kindness and love of God appeared to mankind. Isn't that amazing? But also, very importantly, when Jesus was on the cross and he gave his life and his blood was shed, oh boy, let me tell you, the love of God and the kindness of God was revealed. Billy Graham said the following, he said, the meeting place between God Almighty and humankind is the blood of Jesus. And that song we sang earlier, it says, where your love ran red and my sins washed white. When did God's kindness appear? It appeared when he came to the earth. And the scripture says in 1 John 3 verse 16 in the NIV, it says, this is how we know what love is. Now, I want to tell you, the world, through all the music channels, they want to tell you what love is. And I'd like to tell you, they are missing it. The Bible says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You got that song in popular music that says, you know, I'll, what, I'll, I'll let a train ride over me for you and I'll, I'll do this and that. Fat chance. Wait until that train comes. That boyfriend will be up like this. Fat chance. But let me tell you, Jesus laid down his life for us. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there for a moment. <laughs> but I also believe that God's kindness and love does not only appear on the day when you and I are born again, but it also appears regularly and daily in our lives because he loves to bless his children. He wants to surprise you during this week with something of his kindness, something of his goodness. During this week, at one or two points, I was struggling with something. I was feeling a little overwhelmed in my heart. And then suddenly God reminded me of two or three things that had happened within the last week where he provided this and he did this and he answered that. And I said, Lord, it may seem like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And you know what that was? It was just kindness. Suddenly, I just saw God's kindness, and I said, thank you, Lord, you've got this all figured out. Me, Johnny, I don't have much figured out, but you have got it all figured out. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> praise the Lord. And I just want to say, maybe there are people here today, and you say, John, 
I actually just need a fresh display of God's kindness in my life. I just really need that. Before we just go on to the last point, which is a brief point, if you need just a fresh display of God's kindness in your life, in your day-to-day life, just raise a hand right now. I'd like to pray for you. Raise a hand if that's you. Father, I pray for each person raising their hand right now. And under the sound of my voice, it's also in agreement. Lord, when we experience that your kindness just appears, It's so beautiful. Thank you for your kindness. And Lord, I ask in the mighty matchless name of Jesus that in this next week ahead that you would show every single person who has raised their hand and responded to this that you would show them just a beautiful act of your love and your kindness. Let it just appear out of the blue. In Jesus' name, you say amen. Amen. Now, number three, which as I said is a brief point. The right advice, keep doing what is good and righteous. Please say that aloud with me. The right advice, keep doing what is good and righteous. Same scripture, Titus chapter three, but now verse eight. It says, this is a faithful saying. In other words, the right advice. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in Christ, that's you. Have you believed in Christ? Raise your hand. Now listen to what the Bible says. Should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now what I've discovered in the Christian world is the moment you use the phrase good works, people get a little uncomfortable Because they think that you have to do good works to earn salvation. No. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace. But when you have become saved, because your heart has changed, the outflow of your life is that you want to do good. You want to obey. You want to please God. So this is not talking about salvation. This is talking about those who have been changed. Show from your life that has been changed the good work that God has done in your heart. Do good works. Tell the person that next to you, do good works. That's what we need to do. Now, let me say, I believe, this might surprise you what I'm about to say, I believe that it is quite possible for Christians at times to get tired of doing good works. Sometimes you just get tired and you get tired of paying your taxes faithfully. (laughs) Now don't clap, please don't clap, please don't clap. We have lots of people from SARS that are in our congregation. You get tired of forgiving others. You get tired of being honest. You get tired of being kind. And you say, well, why should I do what is right when evil people are prospering? Well, I want to say to you this loud and clear, do good anyhow. Come on, do good anyhow. Why? Because it is in keeping with the character of your God. And the way he is, is the way we should be operating. And I want to say to you, don't get weary in well-doing for in due season. You will reap if you faint not. I want to say it matters, child of God, to keep on doing good works and what is right. 
And so don't worry about the evil person that's prospering. God says they will be brought down. They will be cut off. They will be brought low. But you, O righteous man and woman of God, you be the righteous person that God has made you to be because that's the real you, the righteous person, the person who does good, the person who chooses to forgive yet again, yet again. That is who you are. And so I want to say the old nature, your sinful nature, that is the imposter. Don't let your old nature rule, but keep on putting on the new nature. One scripture that I want to read, Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24. In the New Living Translation, it says, throw off your old sinful nature. You see, there's something you've got to do. You've got to chuck it off. And your former way of life, which is corrupted. There's the corrupted thing by lust and deception. Instead, I love this. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And then put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Won't you say this after me? I cast off my old nature. I put on the new nature. And I am righteous in Christ Jesus. Now give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion right now. But I do just want to pray a prayer of salvation. I don't for one moment believe that every single person here, that their business is right with God. And I believe that there's some people that you actually have to come to Christ today and be made new by Him. I'd like to invite the whole church to pray this prayer. It's a brief one after me. Afterwards, I'm not calling people out to the front. But it's a prayer of salvation. It's a sinner's prayer. May we close our eyes and would you pray this out aloud after me. Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again to redeem me. I repent of my sins and place my faith in you alone. I surrender my heart to you. Be my Lord and Savior. I pray this with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you, get a Bible, read the Gospel of John, and get into a church which is Bible-based and Spirit-filled. Whether here or elsewhere, just get connected.